You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret. What's up, guys? It's Inkrat here, Fox Trader and founder of Desire to Trade. Welcome to episode 79 of the Desire Trade podcast. I've had quite a way challenge trying to uh, set up this interview and doing it. I was actually doing it in a kind of coffee shop bar in, in uh, Xiamen, in China. I was lucky enough to find a place with good Wi-Fi so I could do it. This interview is with Jared Davis, a Fox Trader who's now trying to build an edge fund, something pretty impressive. And in this interview, we talk about two main things. Number one, how to trade with f- fundamental data. And number two, how to trade other people's money. Those are two good topics. And Jared really had great advice for you guys. You can implement really simple things that are going to help you make progress in trading. Again, if you want to see my whole day before this interview, check out the videos I have. This forward slash video. You'll see everything there, especially the day at which I was recording the podcast. And on that note, I'll leave you guys with this interview and I'll come back at the end. Jared Davis, welcome to the Desire Street Podcast. How's it going today? Uh, I'm I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast for sure. And the first question we ask our guests is, what is one quote that inspires you? I think the one quote that inspires me is, the maximum you'll ever achieve is the minimum you're prepared to accept. Because that keeps you motivated and it's quite a good point. Love that. It's pretty powerful too. Like, could use it for pretty much anything. Love it. So tell us a little bit what's going on these days for you. So these days, actually, as we, as we talk, obviously, beginning of 2017, I've literally just launched my own hedge fund. So I've been working on that for about 12 months, and I finally went live beginning of January. Begin, literally, the first day of 2017 is when we went live. Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. So just getting everything going with that, and that's pretty much the big news as we speak. So what was the biggest motivation for starting a hedge fund, and like, what's the reason for that? Well, basically, I guess the biggest motivation is career development because I obviously wanted when I was you know before I learned how to trade I wanted to be a trader and then when I started getting when I started getting into trading I kind of realized that if you want to make serious money you need to be kind of leveraging and by managing other people's money and if you make them a profit then you take some of that and you add it to yours and you can grow your own wealth much faster and so then I did that through managed I had a managed account program in London I was FCA regulated for a few years Um, and then while I was doing that I realized that Actually, if you want to get allocations from other funds or institutions, then you need to be in a, a fund structure yourself. You know, they, they don't open accounts with a broker and let you trade it. You, you have to have a, your own fund. And then that's how you get those bigger allocations. So I guess the, the inspiration really why I did it is just as I kind of went, um, I just learned all these lessons. And you know, if, if that, this seems to be the way that I can kind of increase the assets under management to its maximum potential, basically. Nice. That's, that's pretty cool. That's a, good, that's a pretty good move. So. But I want to go back a little bit and what did you tell us how you started to trade exactly? How did you come into trading in the first place? Well, again, my, so my story is very different from most professional traders. I started trading in 2005 or six, around that time, quite a long time ago now. And basically, I was just a normal retail trader. I, was, I just sold a previous business that I had. I didn't really have any money you know, because, you know, I grew a business with a lot of debt. So I sold that, paid the debt off. So I was, I was clean, but I wanted to do something online. I wanted to make money on the internet, basically. And I did a lot of searching around. I got ripped off. I got scammed. 
And actually, the ironic thing is, I found trading at the point where I'd given up. I kind of was like, you know what, I'm just going to go traveling. Um, I was going to go backpacking and just work as I went. And I was actually on a currency conversion website trying to find which, you know, how much currency I'd need and how much money it was going to cost me. In the corner, I just saw a little advert and it, said, it just said something like, why don't you trade currencies for a living? It just got my interest. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because I've always been interested in the markets and trading and stuff like that. So I just clicked that. And then I, it, what it turned out to be was a broker, a demo account for a broker. So I downloaded it and I literally just started trading away. You know, and I was, you know, and I was like, what, you know, what's a pip? And I, and I remember thinking, I, th- I think I bought gold or sold, I, th- I think I sold gold. And I, was, I remember thinking, how can I sell something I don't even own? You know, just these basic questions. And it all started from there, basically. I just got stuck in and learned online and, and made my way from there. Nice. And then how was the learning process? Did you went from the start to being successful or how did it go? No, <laughs> it, was totally, it was totally opposite. Like it was a couple answer, of years but... again, like I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So I, I started off learning online. So I used all the free websites like Baby Pips, for example. You know, I was on forums quite a lot and, and I was using technicals. I was literally just looking for, a, you know, looking at charts, trying to find the answer there. And it just, I was just felt like I was going around in circles. Every time I'd, like what I would do is I would find this strategy, this technical strategy, I'd backtest it. It would look amazing. And then on Monday, I'd start trading it. And then by Wednesday, I'd have a few losers. And the results I got on in real life were totally different from the results I got on the backtest. And then I'd just lose confidence in it after a few days. And then by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'd be back to searching for a new system. And then I'd find it on the Friday and I'd be back on the Monday. It was like a, a constant cycle, basically. So it was, very, it was a big struggle. And then I actually met somebody who one of my friends was dating somebody new. And she introduced us because, because she knew I traded. And he was a professional trader. And, and his story is different because he actually trained inside a prop firm in London. So he went down after university, he learned, he made quite a lot of money and he came back. And like at the time and now, he, he just trades his own account. Doesn't, you know, doesn't seem to ever do anything. He goes on lots of holidays. He's got a really nice house and a really nice car. So I was like, this is the guy I need to get, you know, I really want to meet this guy and learn from him. So I did. And it, it, the, the, the most fascinating thing from him is he was just like, you know, he'd never heard of these technical indicators that I was using. He'd just never even heard of them. He'd heard of support and resistance, but like, you know, we talked to him about like Bollinger Band, Stochastics, moving, you know, Matt D. He just was completely, you know, his face was blank. No, no idea. And I was like, what the hell? Like, What's this all about? And he would just say he just trades the fundamentals and he trades the fundamentals. And he doesn't have a strategy. He just trades. He traded equities. So he trades stocks and shares. But he was just like, when, 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 you know, when the price is moving against the fundamentals, that's on trade. And so that was the moment where I started switching my focus on technicals, solely technicals, over to trading the fundamentals. And that was the moment when I started really making progress. And on every week, like I'd see my results improve and improve and improve. And it was quite fast improvement. And it was literally like night and day. Like I'd spent all, these, all this time trying to trade technicals, going around in circles. As soon as I started to apply the fundamentals, it was like, you know, the missing piece. And I started making money, basically. And that was kind of how it happened for me. That's pretty interesting. But I guess it's going to be like a combination of both, right? Well, the way I look now, the way I look back, looking back now, whenever I, I teach someone now, I always come like, it's like, like driving a car, right? So if you drive a car, you need to look through the window and you need to look at the road signs where they're telling you and you need to look at the road and you need to pay attention to what's going on in front of you. And that's like the fundamentals. Like the fundamentals are the road sign. The central banks give you the signals and the economic indicators. And you can kind of try and piece all that together, determine which way to go. Now, you're still going to get lost. You're still going to take the wrong turn, you're still, whatever. You're still going to have accidents, maybe. But it's going to happen a lot, lot less if you're looking out the window, looking at those road signs. 
technical analysis is like the mirrors. So technical analysis tells you what's happened before. So if you, you know, you're driving down the road, before you change a lane, you look in the mirror. You know, if you're, you know, coming up to maybe pull up to a junction, you look in the mirror. So you need the mirrors because if you don't have the mirrors, you will have, end up having a serious accident at some point. And the mirrors really just help you give you, you know, put like kind of the icing on the cake. And that's like trading. So you need both, I would say. But it's in the same proportion. So I, I generally say like 80% fundamentals, 20% technicals is generally what's going to, you know, get you to the point of profitability. That's pretty well explained. I love it. And what would be your trading style today? Is it mostly long term or short term or a mix of both? The way, because a lot of people ask this question, and the simplest answer is there's no, when you trade fundamentals, there's no like strategy. You're kind of looking for opportunities. So, for example, if the, you know, if the, if the ECB suddenly announced that they're increasing their QE program so completely by surprise by 10 times, then we all know the euro is just going to drop. So you're just going to jump into the euro dollar and you're going to hold it for a few days or weeks because you know it's going down. That might be a longer term trade. Or if you're sitting there at your desk and you, you know, you've got your news feed on, which you should have, and you get something comes through, which, you know, you know, like, so for example, when I remember like the most recently last year was when the pound, when the UK lost its court battle about our triggering Article 50, everyone was kind of expecting the high court to kind of agree with the government when they didn't. We knew the pound was going to go up. That's a short-term thing. You just jump in. The point is you train to see the opportunities. You understand that it's an opportunity. You understand whether it's a short-term one or a long-term one, and you just take advantage of the opportunity. So as a trader, I believe that you should just be a trader. Like If you can't sit there at your desk with a newsfeed, obviously you're not going to get those opportunities. But it, rather than trying to call a cap yourself as a long-term or a short-term trader, you should just be a trader and take any opportunities that you see, basically. So for me, I've always, once I started trading professionally, I've, I've always had the newsfeed there, and most of my trades have been short-term, in the moment, taking advantage of these little things that happen through the day. Mm -hmm. I think my biggest problem when it comes to fundamental analysis is that you don't really know when to exit, right? Because you could take a trade, but how do you know when to exit that trade? Is it based on technical analysis at that, at that point, or how do you decide? Yeah, well, so for example, if I'm short-term trading, it would definitely be based on technical analysis. So I'll just use old highs, you know, old highs and lows, and I will pay attention to that. But like long-term, so for example, for long-term position, that, you know, I'll give you an example of this. In 2013, in early 2013, the Bank of Japan started its QE program, right? And at the time, the dollar yen was priced at around about 90, 90 to 92. And when the Bank of Japan did that, they also came out, and you can go back and if you Google search this for Bloomberg articles, you'll see, you know, you'll be able to read all about this at the time. But essentially, some of the bank members and the analysts were all saying that when dollar yen got to 110, that would be a nice level that would support the Japanese economy and get inflation going again, basically. So there was this like, the Bank of Japan almost set this target of 110 for the dollar yen pair. So for a long term trade, it was like no brainer. You just, you know, hold, you know, 110 is this target that you've got that's been given to you by the bank. And you know, they're going to keep printing money until it gets there. So there's a couple of ways, like you can do it fundamentally like that. But yeah, if you're trading short term, technicals are, are a big way of helping you with exits. Mm -hmm. And in terms of technical news, how do you get your information? Is it from banks mostly or from analysts or what does that come from? Okay, so the, basically the news comes from in any professional firm or bank or anything like that. The news is basically sourced. You'll notice that those guys are looking at completely different screens to what retail traders look at. So a retail trader will be looking at charts. But when you look on the news and inside a bank or the trader, they're looking at information. And that information is basically because they're looking at very famous 
tools and terminals. So for example, one of them is the Bloomberg terminal. You've got the Reuters icon, you've got MNI, you've got Dow Jones. There's a lot of these tools and, and terminals that traders, professional traders use. Now, the problem was in a firm, it's impossible for a trader to look at all these screens and trade. So what they did was they used to have, they'd have like a separate team of analysts and their job would be to look at the news and then they would relay that information to the traders and they would just do it with a squawk with like a microphone. They'd push the button and that would then, they'd say, you know, this has happened, that has happened. And all the traders on the floor would hear it and then they'd be able to react as it happened. And then when economic data came out, obviously the, the figures are always released on those terminals first. So as soon as the data came out, it would be squawked. So the traders would get it, you know, within second, like a second, less than a second, you know, it would be very, very fast. And in the end, what happened is those firms, the analysts eventually set up their own shop and did a squawk so that they could service multiple banks. So a bank could save all the cost of having their own team of analysts. They would just subscribe to that company and get, you know, it's the same thing, basically. The information is still coming down a squawk, but the bank hasn't, you know, the, the firm hasn't got to pay all this money to employ it. And so that evolved over the last 25 years or so. And so now in London, for example, there's two really big ones. Uh, you've got like Rand Squawk and you've got Live Squawk. And those guys are really, that's who gives out the news in real time. They've got real-time audio, real-time headlines. And you can just subscribe. All the traders like myself, for example, subscribe to that and gets the news very, very fast without having to spend you know, twenty or $30,000 a month on all the different news feeds. We just let them do that and then squawk us the information as it comes out. Mm-hmm. And those are things that you pay for, right? They're not free available online, right? Well, you can get free versions, right? So you can get free versions. So the free versions might be delayed slightly by mm-hmm. five or 10 seconds. But essentially, you know, you might get, there are some news feeds that are kind of, of dubious quality, let's say. Like, so for example, what will happen is there's a few retail news feeds that simply just subscribe to the professional one and then copy it. So as it squawks, they squawk it back. That, you know, you can get that stuff, but Professional, you have to pay. Yeah, it's it's usually about you know between one hundred and three hundred dollars a month, depending on who you go with. Mm-hmm. So, what would you tell people who don't want to pay for, let's say, like a service like that or like a platform? Because sometimes you have to pay for a platform too. So, what? Because I know a lot of people don't want to pay at all for stuff like that. What would you tell them? Well, what I would tell them is like if you do and you use it properly, that it pays for itself. Like you only need one trade. You need to be sitting there and get one good trade, and you've paid your subscription. So if you don't want to pay, that's fine, but you're probably missing out on quite a lot of money by doing that. And if you don't want to pay, then don't. You know, just you can. There's lots of free news. You've got FX Street. You've got ForexLive.com, which is a brilliant website. That's kind of similar. It's like a scrolling blog. So it's nowhere near as fast, but it's very good to get you the news and get your news explained, etc. So you could just use those free resources, and it's kind of you know gives you a feel for it. But yeah, I would, I would definitely tell people to kind of just think carefully about that. No, because it might seem like they're saving money, but in fact, it will actually make you money. Yeah, right. Yeah. If in the end you end up making less money, it's like, yeah, for sure. It's not worth it. What's the point? Yeah. 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 Love it. So I want to talk a little bit about trading for other people or trading for a hedge fund. What do you think is the biggest challenge of that? Well, I mean, again, my story began when I was, obviously I started trading, when I very first started trading for people, I was posting to like forums and I had a Skype group. I was just giving people my trades and kind of sharing stuff with them. And what happened was this guy just messaged me one day and he said, you know, I'm starting up a little fund. It wasn't a fund. It was just like this little managed account startup. Do you want to come and trade for me? So obviously for me, that was fantastic. So when I was doing that, and I'll tell you these stories because while I'm telling you, you'll see all the different problems that you'll face 
So you get different problems at different levels mm-hmm. and different experiences. So when, it, when I started trading for this little startup, the way he had these clients in, he had this, this MAM account, or I think it might have been a PAM account, and I was trading the PAM account, and that was great. And within six months, I was trading a million dollars, and he was really good at raising money, and it was absolutely fantastic. And that was the time when I first started making a living from trading. I remember sending my commissions, and it was all good. The problem was he started employing other traders to trade the PAM with us. And the idea was that you know if we're all making money, it will kind of compound the returns. What actually happened was those traders lost money. And it was a nightmare because then we were underwater. And so I was like, I remember talking to him and he's like, well, you know, we can't pay any commissions until we're back above the profit level. So the first problem, the first problem I encountered was, you know, to get your structure right, basically. Managing other people's money is great, but you really need to think it through about how you're going to do it. Because that was one of the first problems I found. The other thing is when I went, I went alone in 2010, I've got some clients on my own. I did my own managed account program. And the problem I had was because I was new, because I didn't have a name, you know, you just have to take. So I took smaller clients. I took like $10,000 clients, $30,000 clients. And like, it was good because it built my business up, but they would like try and squeeze me down. You know, they would only pay like 10% performance fee or whatever. And to get more money, basically people put money in based on how much money you've got. So in the early years, I had to just accept that because I wanted to build my pot. So I could go to someone and say, I've got 250,000 under management. And that would then make them give me like 50 or 100,000, if that makes sense. Whereas if I only had 10,000 under management, no one would give me anything over like five or 10,000. So while I was trying to gather clients, you know, if a client said to me, I'll give you 100,000, but I'm only going to pay you 10%, then I will just accept that because I was trying to build my pot, you know, if that makes sense. So that was very, you know, that's, that's something that you, you don't really consider. And, you know, those kind of cl- smaller clients are always very, very hard work. They're always on the phone. They want to know why you've taken a certain trade. So just to give people a little bit of advice about managing money, if you're going to go down the route of managed accounts, you need to think very carefully about the type of client you're going to get. You need to think very carefully about the fact that those clients can see every trade. It's in their account. It's a lot of hard work at the beginning, basically, to build that business up. It's not easy. And you have to accept really, you know, terrible conditions and bad clients. But that's just what it is to build it up. Then eventually in 2012, I started working with an FCA regulated firm in London. And then all of a sudden, my managed account program was now FCA regulated. And at the same time, I got this, I was submitting my performance to the Barclay Hedge database. And Barclay Hedge, actually, I remember talking to them, and, and I, was, I was a category of traders, FX money managers, trading between 5 and $10 million. And in that category, I was ranked as number two in the world. So they gave me this like ranking certificate, which ranked me as the second best performing FX trader in the world compared to these other guys, professional traders. So now I had this ranking and now I had the FCA regulation and I worked, you know, in London, in a firm in London. So all of a sudden now I could put my minimums up. So my minimum went up to like 100 grand and then it went up to 250,000. And it got a lot easier because the quality of the clients became easy, you know, so then I kind of grew much better. But then the problem was, but then the other problem was like the bigger institutions didn't take me seriously because as soon as I got to London, then I found out that when I went and had meetings with fund managers or a capital allocators or anything like that, they would always be like managed accounts is like the lowest of the low, basically. In the city, managed accounts is like very sleazy. It's like really, you know, low end. And obviously for me, because I was coming from the other direction, I was coming from being a retail trader. So for me to have a managed account program was like, I thought I was like, you know, the best thing in the world. But then when I got into the city, I was kind of like back at the bottom again. And so that was another issue, you know, something to think about. The other thing that I'd say say to people managing money is your verification of your performance. Something I got wrong in the beginning, I just didn't realize, but 
you need to get an audit. You need to get your, your stuff audited as quickly as possible. So if you're making money, you need to get that performance audited. Now, a lot of retail traders use things like MyFX Book. They, you know, they'll do all this stuff. That stuff is useless when it comes to getting money from professional investors, right? So if you walk into an office of, you know, a meeting with professional investors and start whipping out your MyFX Book account, like I can't tell you how bad that will look. No mm-hmm. one's interested in MyFX Book and stuff like that. You have to go to, I mean, top 10, you don't need to be one of the big four, but top 10 firm or, or even just a professional firm, get your accounts submitted and then audited by an independent third party uh, CPA or, or accounting firm who does the audits, you know, that's what they do because that will then give you the credibility going forward. And then the longer the track record of audit you have, the easier it is to get money. So for me, obviously, I didn't really know what I was doing as I went. So I, I got my stuff in the beginning. I, I wasn't audited for the first couple of years and it was, you know, very difficult to get clients. And then one day a client said to me, you know, I want my accountant to my accounting firm to audit the performance. So I said, fine. And then from then on, I kind of clicked on and then I got that audited going forward. But then now, the problem I have now is that now that's the managed account program. So my managed account program was audited from 2008 to 2014, which is when it ran from and to, which is fine. But now I've started my own fund. It kind of starts on scratch. Mm-hmm. And so you're now from 2017, I'm going again. So the next one or two years, I need to get the audit on that. So it's you need to... Like take advantage of the fact that the internet now is so much full of information. If you, I would say to anyone who's thinking about managing money, think it through and make sure you get your chat record properly audited as early as possible, basically. Yeah, I'm pretty glad um, I talked about this for sure. And this is something I've two, been starting to do a little bit kind of recently, managing other people's money. Like what would you say is a good amount of capital to trade? Is there like a minimum amount you would recommend or something people should aim for? Um, well, I mean, you know, it depends, doesn't it? Like if you, if you, if you have, if you're managing money, my, my honest advice is it depends where you're based, but if you're managing money and you're living in like the UK, or the US or Europe or any like, you know, credible country, you're going to need to be regulated to do that. You can't just go around managing people's money. If you're based on some South Pacific Island, then fine. <laughs> you know, you can do what you want, but your clients just aren't going to trust. It's just all about trust. Mm-hmm. And, and you do need to be regulated if you're in one of those countries. So if you're going to be regulated, that costs money. And you can get regulated. If you do it yourself, it's probably going to cost you about, you know, it depends on doing I'm talking about UK jurisdiction now because that's what I'm familiar with. To be regulated in the UK, it costs you like a quarter of a million pounds at least. If you go and work with a firm, which is what I did, they will give you their umbrella so that you'll be under their regulation. And that will probably cost you about, I don't know, probably 30 or 40,000 pounds per wow. year. You can okay. pay like monthly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the answer to your question is you need to factor in all your costs. And then work out how much you're going to make, you know, how much you need under management to make that amount. And that's your figure. So generally, I would say the minimum you need under management to protect it all pay and to earn a living and to factor in losing months and periods and stuff like that. Uh, You're probably going to need to be looking at a million dollars minimum, minimum under management to be able to set up a credible business and make it pay, basically. Just be like like a whole business in itself, basically. It's a, it's a completely it's a complete business in itself, and again, that's the you know I didn't do it right when I was learned. You know I didn't do it right. I, I was trading unregulated, but then in the see in the old days, like I was doing it in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, like everything wasn't as regulated as it is now because the financial crisis hadn't really happened. You know it it was just happening. So in the three or four years since two thousand eight, that's when the FCA and and have reacted and started regulating things. So 
like in the old days, I remember trading for clients and just getting paid from the broker. And then they literally emailed me and said, you know, the party's over. The FCA, have reg- you know, you've got to be regulated now. If you're not regulated, we can't pay you. And so that's how I ended up coming to London and getting regulated and mm-hmm. finding a firm. And yeah, so now it's much more difficult. And it is definitely, it's like a, you know, a complete business in itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like another game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how do you deal, let's say, with having a losing month, one in two people, or I guess, how do you go when things turn a little bit bad? Well, like in the early days, it was a nightmare. This is the thing about having smaller clients and starting off because, like I said, they'd be on the phone, you know, they'd be like, well, you know, why didn't you buy it? <laughs> and it's like, well, because <laughs> I yeah. thought it was going to go down, you know. Uh, but, they're, you know, and when the people's money's on, like you get people who think they know it and then when you mix that with pe- with people losing their money, like it becomes quite yeah, um, intimidating. Like, yeah, it's, it, gets, it gets quite dark, you know, it can get quite dark very fast. So, One of the things I always did was with my clients, I always used to, when I brought a client on board, I'd always, first thing I'd do is have a Skype call with them and I'd show them my account and I'd show them exactly how much is in it and I'd show them the trades we had on at the moment. And I'd always basically say, my account is trade. Every time I take a trade, it goes on this account as well. So if you lost all your money, I would lose all my money. Right. Basically. And it doesn't, it's obviously doesn't make a difference to people losing their money, but it does make them feel like you're on their team a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're kind of in this together. So if you're if you're having a big drawdown, you know, yes, it's bad, but I'm in the same boat. I'm doing everything. They know that I'm doing everything I can to get out of it because it's my money on the line. You know, that helps. But you know, I think just over time, what you've learned. When I was regulated, that was even worse because obviously you're regulated. You need to make sure you're doing everything right. I think basically yeah, the short answer to the question is. You just have to really focus on making sure those periods don't happen. Like you really have to be very focused on your risk management, very focused on making sure that when you do lose, the losses are. Um, you, you need to learn. This is the main point. You need to learn to recognise when you're going into a drawdown period, and usually it's because of some psychological element. You've either got too cocky, or you're not prepared to take a loss, or you're just trading for the sake of it to try and make it. You're kind of trading irrationally. There's always something going on while you're having a losing period. And if you can recognize that early, you need to, you just I mean, now I'll just stop and, and just go outside and take a few days off. And usually that's, that helps. It's all about discipline. But if you can cut it off as early as possible, it, it really helps with the psychology. Whereas the worse a drawdown gets, the longer it goes on, the more it impacts your psychology. So you need to, basically the key is really cutting it off, as in, nipping it in the bud as quickly as you can. And I think there's a difference anyway between like a big drawdown of like 30% versus just like a, a losing month. Just that happens, right? So, and I'm yeah. guessing... Yeah, well, I mean, if, I've had several losing months. Yeah. yeah. And I'm guessing if your client doesn't end all right, like a 5% loss or a 2% loss, then maybe you don't want to have that client too, right? Maybe it's better to skip that client for sure. So Definitely. That, that. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like in the early days, I, I couldn't be picky, but now... Like we literally, every client that comes in gets interviewed. They have to fill out KYC. If I don't think they're relevant, I mean, I actually just turned away a client yesterday, in fact. You know, he was on about wanting 4% a month and, you know, needed to be sure it was going to be work for him because it was always money. And I was just like, you know, this isn't for you, basically. Definitely, yeah, that definitely helps. Definitely. Cool. And the fact that you're online doing a lot of stuff and being kind of recognized by a lot of people online, I guess we get a lot of questions. So what would be the number one question you get from people? Well, that's a good point, actually. I, I think the number one question is how, like, because a lot of people just think that fundamentals is complicated, and they go through. Usually, they're taught that you know don't trade around news events, 
avoid all that complication. And I think the biggest question is like, how, you know, you know, can a beginner understand the fundamentals? Is it possible for a, a new trader to start trading the fundamentals? That's probably right. the biggest yeah, yeah, yeah. question. And the answer is yes. It's actually very can be very simple. Um, yeah, I'd say. So how do you make it simple then? Is there like a way to make it harder, make it like to make it complicated versus simple or? It's just about understanding it. Like, you know, if you look at the fundamentals, so for example, this is what a lot of people do. They'll look at a news calendar and they'll say, okay, NFP came out really good. And then they'll look at the chart and they'll see the dollar going down and they'll be like, well, that's, you know, that's nonsense. That obviously means fundamentals don't work or whatever. And that's just a lack of understanding. Like that's just not how it works. It's because they're, they're coming from it from a technical brain. Like technical brain is if it turns blue, you, you buy it. If it turns red, you sell it. Very simple. And that's why technical strategies are so popular because they simplify it. Whereas fundamentals, you can't simplify fundamentals to that level because that's just not how it works. But if you're committed to learning within a, f- a few weeks of really learning how it all works and understanding how it works and the mechanics of why the markets move, mm-hmm. You just It's very, very simple to understand that when NFP comes out good, it doesn't necessarily mean buy it. It's just, a case, it's just a simple case of just learning, basically, and understanding the way the markets move. It's, the way I liken it is like, like, let's say me and you, for example, we've never met in person, right? So mm. if someone said to me, oh, how would that guy react to that? I'll be like, I literally have no idea. But if me and you then went and lived together in a house for like three months and I, you know, we spent every day together, then by the end of that period, if someone said to me, how would that guy react to that? I would probably know. I'd be like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to say that to the guy because he, you know, he's not going to like that very much. Uh-huh. You know? Or you know, he's going to absolutely love that. And that's just because I've got to know you. The markets are just a collection of people. And once you engage with the markets and you, you find out the reasons why they're moving and you try and understand them, then you get to know them and then you can predict their behavior much better. That's just how, that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. So there's always a period of adaptation. It's just like it's just like getting to know a person. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's literally just like getting to know a person. The market is just a, a person, an idiotic, irrational person. But nonetheless, it's got a personality, and you can learn how it reacts to certain things over time. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Any other advice you would give for traders or anything you think people should know right now? Um, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I, I just think... Yeah, if you, essentially, if you're going to take something away uh, right now, you need to know the reasons why the market is moving. If you're looking at a chart and you've got no, you know, your dollar just went for 100 pips, if you're just looking at that, wondering how you could catch it, that's wrong. You should be wondering, why did it go up 100 pips? There'll be an answer. There's always an answer. And you need to find it out. And when you start doing that, thinking like that and finding out why, you will see a definite improvement in your trading. Love that. Love that. And that, that would be, I guess, a fundamental reason, right? Yeah, there's a fundamental reason going on. And you can do a little bit more research and dig around. And just getting in that mindset over time, you'll, you'll just start to understand things better and really get to know it, you know, understand it better. Great. So how can people find you then? It depends. So there's two ways. So basically, if, you, if you're an investor and you want to invest into the fund, my fund is tracked by Bloomberg. So you can search for my fund in the Bloomberg terminal. The ticker code is ASAC, A-S-A-C. FND. Uh, so you just, just search the ticker code in the, in the Bloomberg terminal, uh, and then that will come up all the information about the fund, how to contact us, the performance, you know, how to go about investing. The reason we do that is because obviously we're only open to professional investors, so we don't put that information publicly available because essentially we just want to make sure that no retail investors 
accidentally end up coming in, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we keep it on the Bloomberg terminal, only professional investors can access. So if you are a professional investor, we're on the Bloomberg terminal. If you're a retail trader, we've I've also got um, a trader training business. If you want to learn how to trade like professional, like the professional, if you want to learn how to simplify the fundamentals, then you can just go to the website jarrettdavis.com. That's there, and we just we have a whole training course and a trader training program that's designed to simplify that process of understanding the fundamentals. So you, know, you can check that out if you're if you're a retail trader nice. looking for that kind of stuff as well. And I guess you're on social media pretty much everywhere as well, right? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Jarrett Davis Forex Trader Facebook. We've got a free Facebook group, actually. Right. So if you want to come and get to know a little bit first, we do lots of fundamental analysis in there. Yeah, so feel free to join the group and, yeah, that's how you can find us. And just want to remind people, we'll put all the links in the show notes over at desiretotrade.com so people can find all the links there. It's going to be pretty easy. People can uh, reach out to you okay. if they want. And Jarrett, what kind of goal do you have for the future? Well, my goal for the future now is to get positive performance on the fund because obviously we're, we're in our first year now. We, so we want 2017 to be a, a positive year. Then we're going to get that audited. Uh, and then after maybe 2018, we're going to really go for the uh, institutional. You know, I really want to grow the assets in them. I want to grow the fund into a really, really big fund, basically. That's my goal. Nice. And what's your main motivation for all this? That is a, that's a very good question. Uh, what's my main motivation? Uh, I think my main motivation is freedom i like the freedom that that, that that doing this brings and also the opportunities like when you have good when you have a lot of wealth and you have a lot of money you just naturally a lot more opportunities open up that wouldn't open up to you normally and that just those are those kind of opportunities that, that most normal people don't get access to it's just quite exciting i just think it makes life a little bit more exciting you know you meet people that you'd never normally meet you engage in things that, you know it just, it's just quite it just makes things more exciting basically mm-hmm. i think just to contradict you a little bit, though, isn't having an edge fund kind of preventing you from freedom a little bit? Or at least in the beginning? Or Well, in the, like any business, you know, every, you know manager account business is the same. Of course, yeah, you know, you have to work hard, basically. It's not, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I want to go and take August off, for example, I can. If I want to take December off because of Christmas, I just want to take a month off, I can do that. If I want to go on holiday for a week, I can do that. When I'm working, I'm working the long hours and I work hard, but if one day I, I decide I, I don't want to get up this morning, I can do it, you know, so I have freedom. I'm not like, I basically work as much as I want to work, and if there ever time came where I didn't want to have a hedge fund, I could just close it all down and trade my own money. So, yes, you are right, but ultimately, it, it is all my choice. Basically. And that's feel, the most important yeah. thing. It doesn't feel like work anyway. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah. 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 I, I enjoy every day I get up and I enjoy it, yeah. Yeah. Are you the one placing all the trades, or is it someone else doing it? Well, right now it's all me, and it's all me. But the plan is to, once we've got, well, I think once we've got a couple of years track record, we want to kind of expand. And once we start getting a lot of money under manager, because basically any fund, anyone listening is not quite sure, any hedge fund that's under 100 million, we're under 100 million. Any hedge fund under 100 million is considered small. So, for example, you know, I wouldn't be going to any any funds anytime soon asking for allocations because they're min- like a lot of funds only allocate minimums of like 10 or 20 million in chunks. And they will base it on how much you've got under management. So if you, so if we've only got like 10 million under management, they will only put like 5 million or 10 million in. So if it's a fund that places chunks of 20 or 30 million, they're not going to be interested. So the general rule is you need to get up to 100 million under management before you can really start growing it. So it's just, um, for me, till we get to that point, it's just, yeah, I'm just going to kind of keep it tight and keep it growing, basically. Interesting challenge. 
And Jared, we have a question we always ask the guests at the end of the podcast. If you could give only one piece of advice for traders in one sentence, what would that one sentence of advice be? Learn the markets, learn the fundamentals, and understand why the markets are moving. That will get you more progress than anything else you've tried technically. Love it. Short and simple. That's Jared Davis, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you here. All right, guys, that is it for the interview with Jared Davis. I really hope you guys liked it. At the time I'm recording this outro, I'm actually in Hong Kong right now, which is a different place totally from uh, China. That being said, if you like the podcast today, I would love if you can subscribe. Take any podcast platform you want, if you have an iPhone or an Android phone, and download any podcast platform to subscribe to the podcast. This is really going to help so you can get the episode on time and be notified whenever there's a new episode. If you have any questions or want to reach out, check out the Facebook group at desiretotrade.com forward slash group. It's going to be my pleasure to connect with you there, answer any of your questions, and do the best I can to help you out. Jared also had great resources to share with you guys that are going to be in the show notes. The show notes are at thisartotech.com for slash podcast. You'll find the episode with Jared Davis. If you want to just do a search on the site, it's going to pop up right away. On that note, guys, I love bringing those podcasts every week. And I'll see you in the next episode of the Desartotech Podcast. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Desire to Trade podcast. To get all the information on this show, free articles, and unique resources, make sure to check out www.desiretotrade.com and subscribe. Please leave us a review and let us know what you thought about the show. It's time to become the best trader you can be. See you next time.